We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the tight. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the tot. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. Probably change that graphic, right? Thursday yeah, nights, Friday nights. Thursday nights, keep people guessing. Yeah, we're going to keep people guessing every week. So welcome to the Coach's Corner, Friday night edition as well. Uh, we'll keep moving things around. We're, we're just going to keep plugging away at this. So this is your host, Ryan Watson. Jonathan Bourne joins me as always. We are brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partner with 440 Sports. Uh, check out all of our content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are also joined tonight, ever so brief, how it may be, the interaction. We will cherish it while we have it. The big natural, Stoney Keeley, in the house. Check him out at Stoney Keeley. He's a part of the Sobros. I'm not a part of. He is Sobros Network. <laughs> Joining us live tonight. Uh, he's been on the shows, but he always has a lot of good commentary for us. So we, we asked him, please come join us. Save our show. Give us some get us some good content. Uh, bring those comments to life. So, Stoney, welcome. Thank you for joining. Happy to be here, guys. Thank you for having me on. I know... Lebowski and Zach are probably going to grill me for my camera, my microphone right now, but we're making things happen. I look like Zordon from Power Rangers on the stream, so we're doing what we got to do to get on here. I'm coming to you guys live from a cave somewhere so hey we're it's the coach's corner every week we preach that you got to deal with adversity you just got to adapt and survive here and that's what we see right here. So it's a great job still producing. Exactly. Uh, that's what I, I pride myself on still producing no matter if it's good or bad <laughs> get the content out no i pro I, I appreciate your man of your words you said that you'd come on to the show and then you i think you realized oh i've got some stuff going on so you're, you're doing what you can to make it work so i really appreciate that so uh he's so you're gonna stay with us as long as you can and just to touch on a few things with you i know that uh you've got a i can't even list all the podcasts that you have that you're on you do you you are a grinder you put out so much good stuff the unofficial titans podcast college football roundup sobros power hour that doesn't even scratch the surface of what all's available on your on your on your network there and i apologize i didn't grab the website i think it's just sobrosnetwork.com it is nice and easy sobrosnetwork.com Perfect. So go into like this last, you've done a couple of things recapping since this is a coach's football show, just to kind of start everything off. You had some, you had a good recap after the game uh, going in from the Titans and the Saints kind of talking about some stuff and you had a level head about a, a few things. First of all, uh, talking about Jackrabbit, not that bad, kind of getting a, a bad rap, kind of getting a bad uh, thing. You know, is, is it unfair watching him in the games? Cause I think that he's not, people want to remember the bad plays, the, the few, the few bad sure. plays. It wasn't like he was Chris Jackson on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's it's that he has these moments in these primetime games, like the Buffalo Bills Monday night game gives up the, the Cole Beasley touchdown because he misses an assignment and leaves Cole Beasley wide open, easy touchdown. I think that sticks in people's head because it is bright lights Monday night football. But if you watch him, I mean, he's not making the splash plays the last couple of weeks, but he's playing really consistent football right now. I mean, he got his hands on the ball that prevented the saints from converting that two point attempt. It's a big moment in the game. And there were a couple of occasion, a couple of occasions at one-on-one -on -one down the sideline of the field, he's able to make a play in man coverage to, to keep the saints from getting a big gain. So I just thought he was playing pretty consistently well. And people want to harp on those uh, bad plays from earlier in the season. I just don't think it's fair anymore. No, and as the DB guy here, that I think that you, you're speaking my language with that. I mean, because ultimately, yeah, you go back and you watch a lot of the tape. He's been playing pretty textbook. And look, he's a 33-year-old guy. He's not going to have the same sort of athleticism that strikes a, a – uh, a dagger right into my heart to say as a fellow 33 year old guy because I still am out here saying, <laughs> still got it still got it but uh you know Jack Rabbit he's still he's performing to the best that you could expect a guy like that that you're going to bring in um so anybody that's expecting him to come in and be the shutdown guy I mean that's uh that's just poor team management so uh, it's like you said people remember the the bad plays and he had he did have a bit of a rough start but you're talking about a guy going to a brand new system having to play a little bit differently than he had to play in new orleans um and so and then injuries all over the place with you know um fulton going out you had farley who went out and he's kind of been the stalwart the consistent one back there so i think people are definitely too harsh on him now i do think it is kind of funny the uh, story the legacy that is his cleats and his ability to continue to fall down but that said i think he's been pretty good yeah for sure i mean and, and i think to Tony's point on the on the show it's just basically um uh, 
he hasn't been as bad as what people think, and, but and other people are, you know, looking out there at other people wondering where they are. And you brought up another point just real quick before we go on to other things is from Ferkser. And as the season went on, Titans letting Johnny Smith go, you think that this is going to be Ferkser season. Everyone predicted it. I made a big prediction that he was going to be a bigger part of the offense than what you think. And it's just not been happening. He's not had to deal with a whole lot of injuries. So a lot of stuff's going on, but it just, what, what would you rate that disappointment level? Would you be more like Ferkser? Are you more disappointed Ferkser not performing or like Julio Jones not staying on the field? I, I would still say Anthony Ferkser just because of the the expectations coming into the season where that he's going to be more of a force in the passing game and that he can be a dynamic pass catcher. We knew the the limitations in the blocking game. That was, uh, you know, popular criticism of his going into it. But you think with Jeff Swaim in there that you can compensate for that. But there just there hasn't been anything. He's been a complete non-factor, at least on occasion when he's healthy. We've seen Julio Jones be uh, make a difference in a game. But we just haven't seen that from Anthony Ferkser. And he had two really bad false start penalties on Sunday right. that cost the team yardage. And I thought he would continue to be that red zone threat, that chain mover. And they just haven't looked to him in those spots. And, and he's not delivering right now. Well, again, it talks you talk about just relative expectations. And, you know, the red zone threat, yes, that's where he's really let them down. I will toot my own horn about that. This is a team that doesn't utilize a tight end as a true pass catcher. It's definitely play action and off the blocking game, which is the reason Jonu Smith was able to make those impacts. So I wasn't expecting a huge thing outside of the tight end room being a desolate wasteland of, of <laughs> talent out there. Uh, but ultimately, he's been underwhelming even to my expectations because like you said he is a guy that has been able to in certain packages come in and make some plays in their system and he just hasn't been that guy in fact i would say michael pruitt has fully and and thoroughly passed him in his impact on the team i'm a michael pruitt fan the way he plays oh, the game i will, I will podcast, stand that yeah. guy uh as long as i can but ferks are absolutely i agree with you there stoney Yep. Yeah. Every week I put a, a bet that Michael Pruitt's going to be the, uh, the first touchdown score. I've done it all season and I've hit it twice and the odds are so astronomical. I'm like, eventually the sports books are finally going to catch up and realize that this guy catches touchdowns. But until then, I'm just going to keep taking some money. Yeah, I think I think with Michael, I, I love a big man touchdown. I love a defensive lineman touchdown an offensive lineman touchdown comes in a close second and he, he is the closest thing to an offensive lineman you'll see playing tight end. I mean, the guy gives everything he can. He's dirty. He gets down. He gets physical. So anytime he gets the his ball, his hands on the ball in the end zone, it's uh, a, a little place in my heart. Yeah, and last uh, point. First of all, I, I know that the Tickle Monster thing, so we're not going to get into that, but I know you've been kind of <laughs> on Twitter, you've been pro-Tickle Monster. But but again, this this defense, whether you want to call them Tennessee Tickle Monsters or whatever you want to call them, call them getting the job done because they, they've come to play – they're 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 fierce and it's good to see this defense playing like that you kind of hope with them playing there that this offensive line figures it out or gets close to a level that they were last year to get this offensive chance because i'm telling you and like you pointed out on, on your recap the offensive run game looks to be close and we preach this all the time it's just one or two plays from busting something big yeah for sure and i, I mean part of it you wonder like your, your top two guys right now are Deontay Foreman and Adrian Peterson, when it, when's the last time that they've played? I mean, they're still catching up to speed. And I, I feel like the way that Foreman runs, I jokingly called him third string Derrick Henry uh, last year because he runs a lot like Derrick Henry. Obviously, just doesn't have the physical explosive traits that Derrick Henry has. But I feel like once, once these guys kind of get back into a groove, the run game will get there. And this offense will continue to gel. One of the things that I talked about after Sunday's game that I wanted to flip the script and ask you guys about, because I hope you don't mind me me doing sure. that, just how the turntables have turned here. But <laughs> to me, the offense, a lot of people are being critical of the offense. But I I look at it and I think, man, this this staff and this team, they're they're just doing what they have to do to win games. So does that ever come into play from a coaching standpoint where you're saying like, hey, we don't have to throw the kitchen sink at this team. Maybe we can just do what we have to do to win. And maybe that's why the offense is looking as vanilla as it is. Or do you think that there's um, there, there's something to that? I'm going to let we actually differ on this and the offensive performance over the last few weeks. So I'll let okay. Ryan go first. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm free to change my mind as it is, but I, I Not really show you are. <laughs> I it, I changed my mind after I watched film. I dead gummit. No, but it, I think that there's a they clearly went into uh, 
protection mode in the second half of the Saints game, and that was very there's very evident. So it's really hard to do that. What I'm worried about though is that in in, in past years is that in the playoff runs, which is if you're not looking to make a playoff run and go to the Super Bowl, then what what are we doing? You're not a competitive team. And when teams have figured out how to take Derrick Henry out of the game and throw little wrinkles at Tannehill, the offense has sputtered and gone. And I've kind of thought over the past couple of weeks, in my opinion, that this what a perfect time to figure out what to do with an offense without Derrick Henry or if Henry, Derrick Henry gets taken away. Here we go. So I would like I would have loved to have seen them do that. But of course they're not going to do a whole lot of, of big things because it's tough to make that change, and I get that. But I guess my complaint has been that I wanted to see them take a little more risks. But it does very much play into that because it's a bunch of factors. If you think that you can win the game without throwing everything out there, then don't. there's no reason to. There's no reason to put it on film, and I get all that. I guess me selfishly as an offensive guy, I kind of wanted to see them try to figure some of those kinks out and maybe work through some of the speed bumps that are – have hindered them in the past playoff performances. So that's really, I think that's what it boils down to my complaint is I would like to see just a little more. But to your point, they're probably not wanting to put a whole lot out there. They're probably wanting to just do what they can because it, it's not just not putting stuff on film. They ain't healthy. And they yeah. got to get healthy because when you don't have sections of your playbook because whole ass people are out, it's, it's tough to get this done. It'd be, it'd be really interesting if only half of people were out. That'd be a real graphic <laughs> game. But, um, a lot of cut blocks. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I actually think it, it, they're not necessarily holding anything back from when they're on the field. In fact, I thought the Saints game, the way they, the way they called it, they were actually pulling out more tricks out of their bag, especially early in that game, than they typically do. I think that they were trying to manufacture yards down the field. They had a really good scheme. They, kn- they knew that the Saints were going to be a heavy man team and rolled out a lot of man-beating concepts, a lot of switch releases at the line with their receivers this is a technical term right here where the receivers do this uh and try to cross up that man coverage and it was really effective against that um i do think that they did go into that game thinking that trevor simeon would not be the factor that would beat them in that especially when alvin kamara was out and i think they definitely got conservative in that second half i think that's where it factors in where you start to see and i, I can attest to it i can also attest to it can come back to bite you in the ass sometimes when you get too conservative too quickly and a team can come back on you um which almost happened <laughs> yeah which, which it did I, I do think that they went into that shell a bit i do think they're very much in survive mode right now and it's they're trying to win games but the the decision to shut down julio jones kind of, in my opinion tells me that yes they are trying to win with the players that are out there but they are being conservative with the way they approach it knowing that they not only have a probably insurmountable lead in the division but also a two-game lead for the number one seed in the uh in the afc I'll say about the Rams game, though, the way that game flow just played out, I think a lot of things went out the window. They said, never mind, we've ended up in this situation. Let's not look a gift horse <laughs> in the mouth, and we're just not going to screw it up. So yeah. um, I, I don't think they're necessarily going into the game saying, hey, we're, all, we're not going to show anything. But I do think when given the opportunity, they're taking advantage of it. Well, see, this is why I ask. This is why I tune into Coach's Corner every week, too. You guys make us smarter. <laughs> we appreciate it. it so i'm not sure how much time we have with you but those are the big points i want to hit with you on your, your recap from the game the other things i wanted to mention if you can't stick around and talk about them i completely understand but just you're you're a fantastic follow on twitter it, it, for Thank everyone you. out there listening to our show it, it, the, the humor and maybe just be my humor i don't know but it's if you, if you find <laughs> us funny at all if you find f words pod funny this is it's the same kind of kind of lane i, I gotta say this there was a big thing my wife uh, is big on instagram there was this big tiktok and instagram about these yoga pants they were mm-hmm. they were out there and, and the whole thing with this was um if you get these yoga pants it makes even if you have no dump truck whatsoever it makes you look like you have a succulent rear end to, for lack of a better words and at one point in time uh stony i don't know where you got this idea but you literally just posted yourself in the pants yeah waist down with the question would you <laughs> Well, that started as a bet, and I actually initially uh, took that photo, and I posted a video of me jiggling my butt on Twitter, too. It started as a bet. Somebody said somebody said to me, um, bet you won't, basically. And I said, if you order these TikTok leggings, I'll do it. And they're like, no, you're, you're full of it. There's no way. So they did it. They got there. The day they arrived, I put them on. I shook my butt a little bit in a video. And I posted it on online. I said the the TikTok leggings are not just for for ladies anymore. These these work for us too, fellas. And it took off. It was like one of the most viral things I've done all year. I'm like, you know, validating me as a writer when I'm <laughs> my butt 
is going viral. I'm like, man, this is, is this what I need to be doing? Should I give up writing altogether and just become a TikTok legging model? But that's all it was. It was as simple as that, as stupid and childish and, and boyish as that sounds. It was just bet you won't. And I said, bet I will. Yeah, as Max points out, his wife owns them and they look spectacular. And, and, and whether they look spectacular in Stony to each their own, you know, make your own decisions. But that was just fun. And, that, and, and I know it took a turn, Max, but that's what I wanted to point out is that if you go to Stony's Twitter, you're going to get a little bit of that. You're going to get some Titans review, some Titans, some, some college football stuff, some really good college football stuff, by the way. Uh, roll Thank Tide, you. by the way. Uh, and, and then you're also going to hear, if you tune in, you're going to hear about Santa Claus going down on people <laughs> in a Manscaped ad. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to get a letter oh, out. Uh, yeah, so, they're not going to be happy about that. No. So just there's, there's, there's all, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. You really, you really just kind of go for it. And I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's great stuff. But, and then also, you know, you, you've got some good food stuff out there as well. You had your latest uh, uh, food blog on Emmy squared going through and rating it and, and, and all that. So what, just real quick, you know, for anybody out there, cause I don't know Nashville at all. Yeah, me, please for me, just do I, this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm home, homebody. What are some of your favorite restaurants? What, what, what is something you can recommend or what is just your best place you've rec you've reviewed so far? So the highest graded restaurant that we have right now, I think it's still butcher and B over in, uh, East Nashville, really good food. It's more of a, a nice date night kind of spot, you know, for a guy like me, like I'm what I'm wearing now, I'm, I'm always in like hoodie and jeans and, a, and flip flops. So, you know, I don't dress up and go anywhere too fancy, but that's always been one of my favorite spots to go for a nice date night. I love Treehouse over in East Nashville as well. And then uh, probably my go-to spot is out here in Donaldson, uh, Nectar Urban Cantina, the best tacos in town. They've got a, a weekly menu that rotates different specials, really good stuff. And then we've got some good stuff here uh, where I live in Mount Juliet, Catch-22, which I just dined at with Lebowski and Zach last weekend. We had a phenomenal meal. The waitress was trying her damnedest to kick us out because we took up the table <laughs> for three hours, just running our mouths. But uh Really good food there, and uh, I think that's probably my Nashville area Mount Rushmore right now. Butcher and Bee, uh, Treehouse, Nectar, and Catch-22. That's awesome. I'll have to check some of those out because, I, like I said, I don't get – we're down in Spring Hill. It's kind of tough for us to get out, and, you know, sometimes I do want to get and try some of those things because the Cracker Barrel just doesn't do it for me, you know, well, as, as a spot. <laughs> you guys have a boom boss down there now, don't you? We do. Yeah, that's uh, we've got friends down there, and whenever we come to visit, we're like, "Hey, we gotta. This is going to be our Boomba's fix for the next four months or so." Yeah, well, next time you're down here, we'll meet you at Boomba's. Uh, there we'll we go. Have a good time. Also, before you go, do you have another? Uh, I think content opportunity. Max bringing worlds together here and uh, saying that you should cook in the leggings, and yeah. really, I really think that that's an opportunity. Well, yeah. I did. I did jump rope in the leggings for TikTok. <laughs> So naturally, you know, what's next? You finish up a project. You've got a good thing going. You got to look at how to keep it going. That's uh, that's smart on Max's point. I like the uh, I like the ambition. I like the vision there. I might have to make that happen. I see the show title now. Frying ham, shaking cans. <laughs> I like it. I'm in. So, Stoney, I appreciate you. I know you, you've got a lot going on tonight. We'll have you back on because I think that at some point in time we'll do a Coach's Corner show and then we're going to pivot and record another show about uh, Marvel movies, pop culture, all this kind yeah, of stuff. absolutely. I'm, I'm telling you guys, Stoney covers it all. So please go follow at Stoney Keeley. Anything else you want to plug for Sobros Network? Sobrosnetwork.com, at Sobros Network on all major social media platforms. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I love the show. I'm a big fan. You guys are super smart passing on that knowledge to everybody that takes it in it's a um very grateful for that now there's a there's a troll here that tells me i've um i've got to answer three riddles correctly before i can get out of this cave or something so wish me <laughs> well, wish me luck that. guys i appreciate it thank Thanks, you for so. joining us tony absolutely take care guys see you Stoney Keeley, Sobros Network, man. He's he's the reason I want him on because he's not only uh, it's like Max. We've told Max to come on too, but I don't I don't know if, if we'd lose our, our streaming license if we had Max on or not. But but Stoney just only he, if he's in leggings. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be in leggings on camera, Max. And well, oh my gosh, we're about to get the invite here in just a second. But uh, but Stoney coming on. I just if you go into his Twitter, he does cover you know anything Titans, uh, college football. There's a lot of stuff there, and it's it's entertaining stuff. And the food I got kind of lost in that food review. How far he went down the rabbit hole 
of the flavors and how he's mixing it up and how he did his, his rating. So it's good stuff there. Subrosnetwork.com at Stony Keeley, like we said. So, and I think we had our media clip for the week there about how smart we are and that just I was gushing say, there. That better end up in the uh, in, in the list there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll clip that for the uh, for, for that video I put out for the breakdowns for our podcast listeners who want to come back and watch that just that. So. All right, so moving on, before we get into the play breakdowns, we did cover a lot of Titan Saints there. And, and to your point earlier, when we were talking about the plays, there just wasn't a whole lot of stuff to love about this game. I mean, it just kind of was a blog game. They kind of it, it went into cruise control at one point in time, and the Saints were able to come back a little bit. But is there anything you wanted to hit on that we haven't hit on so far, or any big points from the game? No, I think ultimately they found something that worked. And I think sometimes whenever you see, whenever you're uh, coaching against a team, if you find something that works, don't go away from it. Um, stick with it until they stop it. And ultimately they had something in the past game. We talked about it with the uh, man beating concepts that they had. And frankly, I think it would have been a bigger day had it not been for the offensive line. Frankly, I think there were lots of plays that were open down the field that Tannehill just had to get rid of the ball. And I know you're going to talk about it a little bit and some of the issues that are there on the offensive line, both from a run blocking and pass blocking perspective. But I, I do think that this entire situation over the last couple of weeks has been a combination of this team having to deal with lots of change as well as going against two very good defenses. And then you combine it with just situational football. The fact that they were able to get up big in both games means that, it, that they can dictate how that game's going to go when you when you are down people you're not going to be as aggressive if you think you've got a lead that you can hold on to last year you had a defense that no lead was safe generally you didn't have a lead you're playing from behind and just hoping that the other defense got so tired from having to keep trotting back out there when your defense lets you down so it opens up a different sort of game flow there so i really think that i don't there's not a whole lot to break down and how they played this game uh they got pressure on simeon simeon get, had um some really boneheaded plays that we talked about on the, on the, both the halftime and post game show but it wasn't that there wasn't any gigantic strategic advantages that they had that they man beating concepts against man defenses is not something otherworldly and so they just executed fairly well in a lot of different positions offensive line i think there's still some stuff to clean up but they've been kind of a revolving door each week at that position Right, exactly. And, and I'm trying to bring our breakdowns up now because we, we didn't have the iPad this week. So I did something a little different, of course. If I do something a little different, of course, it's going to give me some problems. I can't figure out how to get this picture full screen and, and not show my wife's personal albums. That, Go, let's do it. Let's uh, share your screen. <laughs> no, let's, 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 let's not do that at all, please. I, I don't want to do that in any anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah. But that, Well, this is <laughs> welcome. Welcome to me trying to play a slideshow real quick and figuring stuff out as we go. But um, so the um, <clears throat> while you're figuring that out, I'll answer the question here in the chat, which was, uh, you know, Dupree is out. Is it a big impact on the pass rush moving forward? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it absolutely is an impact on the pass rush. Luckily, it doesn't seem like it's going to be long term. I've been saying for weeks that that is the one position that they have been consistent at that defensive line. Um, and that's where they've been affecting games with that that front four, that front five, if you want to call it, and that three four concept. Um, they have been fairly healthy there, so that's the first loss there. And I'm interested to see if that really has an impact because, frankly, you can cover up for a lot of things on the back end if your defensive line is producing. So I do think it's a big impact. They have more depth than they've had in the past with a Daney getting there. You have um, Roberson coming back. So you've got something Danico Autry can bounce outside and play some of that. But Dupree is a different freak kind of athlete. And I know he didn't have a ton of sacks there, but he's a hustle guy. He definitely impacts plays. He makes it in any of those scrambling quarterbacks. You're not running away from a guy like that. So I do think that's a big impact. That buy you enough time? We'll just we're just gonna roll with it. I'm gonna share what I got and we'll just deal with it. It's not perfect, but it is what it is. So I'm trying to share. You'll let me share. So here's the first play I wanted to kind of go into and look at. I, I made a still shot, and then we're actually going to play it here in a second. So here's the still shot of what the play should look like, and what uh, I just didn't want everyone to see all the Disney stuff over here to the left. But whatever, we're, we're gonna we'll deal with it. Um, if you don't know, my wife is a Disney fanatic, and that's perfectly fine with me. Um, wife. <laughs> yeah, my wife is. Yeah. Uh, so simple power play here, and what you're looking for here is you're seeing AJ is going to try to cut in here uh, inside. 
the <clears throat> the end man were trying to get Swaim in here. And, and honestly, Swaim doesn't do a terrible job. It's just it's I would have rather than made a different call here, some sort of cross block, some sort of release to to entrap uh, ninety four trap trap cam here just. To get your double here and you're going to go backside. This is who Saffold is pulling through. But really, when you're power pulling as an offensive lineman, um, it's first opposite color you see. And, that, and why I say that, we'll get to what kind of what Saffold did here in a second and want to try to explain that. It's and, and sometimes it's just trash. Sometimes things roll off of a double team. Some things just don't fall through. So as that pulling offensive lineman, you're just you're there to blow up the trash and get and try to open the hole. Best case scenario, if somebody's staying there. So you he targets uh five here to come around as as that's what he's targeting it. And again, there's a safety here in the box, but you're you're helping your running back. Even if the, this person makes the play, it's four or five yards down the field. Every play is not designed to be a home run because things like this with the safeties overhanging, you just want to give it the best shot to be successful. So moving on here to the video, um, and as, as we start to play here, you can start to see Saffold start to pull pretty good, pretty good bucket step there to get down the line. You would like to see him just a little tighter try, but the reason he can't is because there's some junk there. And if I stop it right there, he's supposed to be looking. If you see, he's kind of looking in Swaim on the outside is starting to turn the defensive end, the double, the double team between, I think that's Davis and Q gets no movement. They stay right there. And then they don't even get their linebacker responsibility. 56, you see flashing. The Saints did this, their defense. They they trailed pulling guards for the Titans all day because they know that they run some counter there and some powder, power, excuse me. So that's what they start to do when they start to overhang like that and come through. So the double team really needs to get more movement there to get that round corner, as I've talked about. And that round corner is going to be right off of Questenberry's back. And that way, Sappho can pull right up in there and then clean up any trash that goes. So if he's able to pull in there, five is taking himself out of the play at that point, Saffo may only have to get a shot there, help out 56, and it's still going to be a successful play because you can see where Peterson is starting to cut that that run right there where that hole is supposed to be. So why does Saffold go to block Swain's guy? Why does he stay flat? Well, first of all, that double team, there's where where is Saffold supposed to pull has supposed to pull up into the hole. He gets no gap. He sees something coming late there and goes to go hit it. He then wraps. Watch him here. He's wrapping around because what happens sometimes with this play, if everything is junked up in the middle, the guard does have a chance to wrap around to go outside. And look where that's starting to go if he does that. Now, you would love to have a, a call there and then have Peterson follow your guard out, but I can't really fault, fault, fault Peterson here just from the way it goes. Well, and that's also one of those things that, you know, he's a guy that's been in, you know, running it for two weeks. This is right. this is the kind of play where you, you really want to be in the feel of the game and really be back into it. So I know he's run the ball a lot, but it's definitely getting back into the groove playing in a new system. So that's one of those those nuances where, yes, that can happen. But that's like uh, 4D chess level uh, yeah. running back. And like I said, again, that's why I say you would prefer a call beforehand. Like we had, I think it was a rifle call uh, in college where it was like we were letting them know that we're going down, down, or rifle was out, out. I can't remember which one it was, but we just had a call where we were going down, down, and to wrap the puller. And that way the running back, if he hears that call, knows that to bounce this outside immediately. So it's kind of tough to ask on the fly, and that's why you see this. is I actually don't think Swaim does a horrible job here getting inside of that on, on Jordan. Now, that's, that's pretty impressive from him. Uh, now I'd like to get some movement, but good luck getting movement when you're doing that kind of a block. Really, the culprit here is that double team just stalemating right there, two on one. Heck of a job by that. Oh, that three technique. Heck yeah, that's what you teach. You get wide, get tough to move, and then give your linebackers chance to roll over the top, and that's what happens. For yeah, the this Saints. is the kind of play that doesn't show up on the stat sheet if you're a defensive tackle. Um, and I know there's lots of talk about stats versus um, performance with Jeffrey Simmons, but that's the kind of play you'll see from a defensive tackle that absolutely impacts a game. Right, exactly. I mean, that, that, exactly. That's that's a great point. People want to com comment about how uh, they're not getting tackles. Well, that he's not going to get anything in the stat book. No one's ever going to recognize what that three technique did there. But he made that play by being a, being a stopgap and not letting the Titans get any movement there. But again, that's how close that is from being a one-yard gain to maybe a five- or six-yard gain. Titans are an on-schedule team, and these are the kind of things that you see reoccurring with this run game. And that's the only reason why I was concerned. So I want to see these things cleaned up because if you're going to be basic, that's fine, but but be efficient. I can't wait till I get I hear from like Twitter or something. That's actually a five eye technique, not quite a three <laughs> technique. 
right, whatever. Yeah. So here clearly we, you've never played a down of football. <laughs> clearly you've never played. Anyway, so uh, here is um, it's basically a zone play with Swain. What we want to kind of point out Swain on the backside and Davis are the two talking points here. Uh, but just to kind of show you everyone's assignment, the reason I've got two lines on Ben Jones just to kind of show you that he is stepping to that play side gap first. And the reason he's doing that is in case this defense's lineman here stunts inside, Saffo can just keep climbing because if he's stunning, because defense a lot of times is replacement football where if they're playing gap scheme, that the defensive tackle, the three technique is, is going to roll into the A gap. Someone's replacing him in his B gap. So Saffo can't get turned in. And defense will try to do that to zone teams to try to screw up their, their cloud areas and where they're climbing. So just to point out, that's why I had that there because Jones is going to take a step here to check A gap, then climb. And he's looking out here to 56. And, every, and then we have, or he's looking to press uh, front side. Everyone else is scooping. Pause. Going here. Cloud area. Let's explore that as we're talking to our listeners here. Yeah. So cloud area basically is the area when we used to draw this play up and I wish I had my ability to draw the pen because I would draw how we used to draw it up. We would go to a gap, an A gap, and we would draw a cloud around that because the reason you want to say that is because it's whatever shows up in that area. You're not necessarily stepping to a man responsibility. You are stepping to a cloud, to an area. So then that's, and you draw that cloud bubble around there just because anything that shows up in this area is where you're going is you're going to be your responsibility. So when I say cloud area, I mean that he's stepping to an area first. It may be that defensive tackle pinching backside. It may be a blitzing linebacker. He may have nothing, and now he goes to his next level, just whatever's in that bubble. And that bubble goes up to through the second level just to his A-gap responsibility there. I mean, who says that, you know, football locker rooms are this place of toxic masculinity? They're doing <laughs> arts and crafts, drawing clouds <laughs> on the board. Whatever gets the, the the point across to teach. So let's go and play the play here just real quick. And we'll see Swaim here. He's going to cut the backside, and I didn't touch on that with the graphic, but Swaim is going to cut the backside because Q is is automatically scooping up See, he's got a hand on the defensive end there, but he is looking. Q doesn't do anything other than he's trying to set up the block here for Swaim coming down the line, and he's looking to cut off that backside. And the reason you do this is because this play can cut anywhere from the C-gap to the A-gap on the front side based on how it's run, based on what happens here. And you start to see Foreman start to cut off that. And if Swaim can just – it, it, the cut's fine if you get it done, but if you miss like this, and the reason he misses is because he comes too wide. He tries to get around Davis there, and Davis is getting pushed back a little bit initially. And Swain just – I would rather him just square up, get in front of 90 there, and make and just hold up. He didn't have to kill him. didn't have to do anything because you see that because if you just pretend like Sway makes that block and he stands right there, can you start to see what Foreman sees, that he sees 93 pushing across his face? He sees his cutback lane there. Look at Jones on the front side linebacker. Look at Lawan holding out. Look at Saffold holding out. Look at the hole that's about to join up. And you think Q's going to be able to make that block in 56 as it comes up? I think so. One-on-one with the safety. And now you're one-on-one with safety. So we said last week. But the two things that go wrong here, obviously we've, we've touched on it. Sway, so, I mean, that's a good way to break your neck right there for Swain. That, that is that is a great way to get a neck injury by, by trying to stick your, your 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 helmet in there onto somebody's, I don't want to say the area, but just to stick in there where they're going to push up with their quad and really get into their face. This so that's, a that's kid bad. Show, that's Ryan. a kid show, yeah. So you can't do that. So like I said, if you can wall there. And also with Davis, you see, I, I, want, I want you to see how, how aggressively Davis's shoulders are turned. And he's running, his his feet are narrow, he's running. See how he's running? Look at that compared to Saffold. Look at Saffold chopping, he's got some wider feet, right? That's a good technique and zone to try to maintain your man. He's sitting there, he's chopping a little bit with his, with his feet, and he's driving out. Davis is upright a little bit running, so he doesn't have anything for when he gets ripped back across. And now 93 is there to make the tackle and the play to slow Foreman down. Otherwise, look, look. I know my place box is in the in the in the way there, but I just look at what's in front of Foreman. Nothing. Well, and I think you know in, in Swaim's defense here, because of um, Davis's yes inability to get any yes. sort of push, Swaim comes off his butt right there pretty tight. Like mm. he, he and he's about as close as he can get. And uh, yeah, it's not a great attempt, but that that that's a bad position to put that pulling tight end. Sure. To in ultimately, I'll, I'll definitely agree. That's why I wanted to point out Davis as, as well here because he's not getting anything there. He's not getting any movement, and then he, he messes up at the point there trying to play catch up because he has he has barely. I, I don't I don't even think he has any contact with his man 
right there. I don't think any part of Davis's body is on his man. So he doesn't get any initial push and then he's, he separates. And that's never good for an offensive lineman. When you're trying to run a zone, you want to maintain contact. You can get away with holding that way. And then you want to keep your feet driving and keep them a little wider. So you don't get caught off balance and they can just push you by like that. Yeah. I mean, that's it, again, this is for a zone play. That's another good play by the Saints defensive tackle. Yeah. Ultimately. So I don't want to get too hard on Swain there because, again, I just obviously that's why I wasn't saying anything was bad there. He got pushed back off his line. But, again, that scares me. With I went through a neck oh, yeah. injury, too. I don't want to see that kind of stuff. So I would rather him just kind of maybe scoop it, like shuffle in there and just say, okay, do a butt block or something. So uh, we're talking about uh, – I know this is uh, more – I want to put this in Jonathan, get your opinion, just to play the play. This is the drop to A.J. Brown. But the reason I wanted to play it was because if you watch Nate Davis here, I'll try to pause it. He has been, he is he has struggled this year with picking up stunts, and I think other teams know that. So you have your tackle going out, and then your defensive looping, in, defensive end looping in, and Davis doesn't see it correctly. And Max, I see you chatting in there. I'll get back to your uh, some questions here in a second. I apologize. I've got the uh, the way I'm sharing. I've got this uh, block in the comments. So Jonathan, if you can help me out with that, I appreciate it. Uh, so. He doesn't. He doesn't hold up there. He gets nothing on that looping end. And now Tannehill, watch his feet. He's not able to step in the throw. He's got to rush it. He, it's 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 not good. So you you see that happening. And that again is is Davis not recognizing. So he's he's got to be able to shuffle out. Notice that he's the cue is right there. Have his his at this point in time. You know you're going to get stunted on. <laughs> that sounded horrible. But you know you're going to get the stunts thrown at you. So you've got to be prepared for him. He's got to get flatter down the line and see how he's turned with his shoulders. If he's a little flatter or parallel with his shoulders, he's able to pick that up and at least run it inside a little bit. Jones, bless him, tries to work back, but it's just too late. Uh, and Lawan gets, gets getting beat a little bit, but at least he's pushing in. And, and I think that even if all things are equal, if Davis can make that, Tannehill can make that throw, this is a little – A.J., should he have caught it? That's debatable, probably. But if he also hits him on the run out in front a little bit more because this is behind, then – I want you to see what they're developing. This is a called downfield screen. Look at the receivers already blocking for AJ. I'm not saying he's going to get past that, but if he can get past that and set up, I mean, look at what that's doing to everybody. I kind of drew it up here, kind of what they're looking to do. So you see the pass there and where AJ's looking to drive. You've got blocking out here. You go here. And now with this angle that the safety's taken, AJ's athletic enough to get outside of that for a big game. So they're trying for a big pop play there. But Davis, again, the one disruption, Tannehill can't step into his throw, can't complete that pass. It's a, That's why they call it a game of inches. Yeah, a couple of things here. So I, I see all these receivers out there uh, already breaking down to blocks. So why is this not offensive pass interference? You can't block downfield before the receivers caught the ball. If you look closely, they're being very careful of breaking down mm -hmm. a few yards away. They're actually not making any sort of contact with these. So this is essentially a screen pass that they're setting up for them. So you got to be real careful about that. This is a third and long play. You're not going to run this against press coverage a lot, you're, or you're not going to run against press coverage at all. But if you see that a guy's this is kind of a new NFL thing that you'll see uh, run pretty often. Anytime you see that off coverage on a third and long where they're sitting back at the sticks, protecting the sticks says, okay, cool. We'll throw it underneath. But we're also going to have five blockers. So best of luck to you. Uh, it's after, it worked against the Titans at least three times last year, actually. The other thing I want to talk about is uh, on the twist up front in that offensive lineman. We talk about in the banjo concept, whenever you're dealing with a, a bunch formation on the receivers and how you're going to read that. Essentially, if your guy goes in, you got to expect something else is coming back. Same thing on the twist concept up front. Nate Davis is seeing his guy go outside. He has to already be expecting something is coming back. That has to be your instinct right there, that there is another guy coming back inside there. And so, again, I think that's a mental lapse from Davis. He has the athleticism to get back over there, but his head's just not in the game and making the easy things happen right here. And unfortunately, that's been a pretty recurring concept for him. And it's stuff that he was doing last year. And I think that's the most frustrating part. And I think it's probably frustrating for Davis, too, is that he, he had a rough start to last year, but then he really came along because he was doing things like picking up the stunts he didn't get earlier in the year. Um, and I don't know if that's because – the different tackle play. If there's been some stuff going on, he had COVID, he's had concussion struggles. There's, there's some stuff going on here. Um, so moving along here, this was uh, another, another Peterson play just show. This is another outside zone. This was to, I think late in the game to try to ice it. And again, this is sometimes defense makes plays, but you see that the, what the scheme is supposed to look for. And again, I've got everybody drawn up to an area because not to a person, because they're stepping to that area again. If you don't draw clouds on here next week, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> All right, just for you, I'll draw some clouds on here. So here to go through the play here, just another outside zone. 
and you see it start to, to develop, look at everybody, look at the offensive line. Everybody is turning their shoulders and getting to the next gap. So immediately they, it's a, it's a delayed run blitz. I mean, it is look at he, five is moving at the snap. It's a, it's a, it's a delayed run blitz. It's tough to pick up, but he's going now and he is targeting here. Now, what, what, so what, what should have happened here? Why, what could have been better? Well, first of all, I think Saffold can possibly try to recognize this a little more. And instead of having that step right at 99, he can try to push off and comes flat down the line. Now, see how his leg is stepping more up the field. If he can come flatter to try to cut that off and get there. Ben Jones also, I think, because he because look, he's got a three technique. He's got to protect that A gap. And he, he turns a little too much in, to me to get out here. Now, again, he gets a good pop there, and you see him in a second. He'll turn back around to look because he knows he's looking for that linebacker trying to come through, but that's behind him. So it's tough for me to put this totally on Saffold because, look, he's got a one technique right there at the start. He's stepping across. He knows he's got to give help to Lawan so he can climb because here's the thing. If five doesn't come, then that's perfect. They can get up there. So, I mean, it's tough to blame Saffold here. It's one of those things where in the moment you're like, be a football player, recognize what's going on, make make a little bit of play. But that's that's tough ask. I kind of almost would like to see Ben Jones still stepping aggressively, but but having maybe a little more square to the line so he can kind of see because that at the snap, he's got that three technique all the way out there on, I think it's Brewer at this point, on Brewer. And he knows that he doesn't necessarily have to help unless there's a stunt. So I think that once he recognizes that it's not – immediately on him. I would love to see him get a hand there just to give the Titans a, a chance to at least get the ball to the running back before there's someone in the backfield. Yeah, so it's tough. It, uh, it's tough though. Yeah. And I think this is one of those because that's a blitz. It's already a cold mm -hmm. blitz. Just like in the past game, you're your past defense. You're going to run certain concepts there and you just know that there are certain past concepts that can beat it. You're hoping they're not in those things, right? This is one of those that they're with the play that you have called the play that they called. They won. They they called the right play in that situation because that that is that's a heck of a play if the Titans are able to block that with with the blitz that's called into that gap. And that's why I was saying when I started this that sometimes you know we said this earlier with the three technique he was able to to plug the hole on the double team. Sometimes defense NFL defensive and NFL defensive players just make plays. And the Saints, spoiler alert, are pretty dang good defense. Yeah, I think that's what's been forgotten about the Saints is the, how good their defense is. And frankly, I know a lot of people know about Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the on the Rams, but um, they're a freaking good defense as well, not just two players. So the Titans have gone through two very good defenses over the last two weeks. Yeah. So last play here, I did have a couple other things because I just wanted to uh, – I may just show them here in a second, but last thing I want to talk about just to show, uh, again, just to show teams are, are doing this twist stunt to death, especially when Nate Davis is in the game, because it, it's a struggle to keep up. And again, here we get they get caught because they loop here. Defensive end again is going out to the to the tackle. Cam George coming around, and Nate Davis has to see this and pick this up. To point out here, we've got a chip. I, I think I, I drew the chip on the wrong player. Furcher is chipping here, and then he's releasing. McNichol is chipping on the end and releasing as well. We talked about this in our chat whether this was uh, what's the difference between. 70 protection, seven men in blocking, 50 protection, five men blocking, 60. I call this 50 with two chips trying to help on the edge because there's a chip and there's an immediate release, as you'll see here as we get to the play. Everybody else should be in, in just to call. The call here is back this way because you've got one, two, three offensive linemen coming back here to pick up the first three things that show up off this side. So you want to count more than likely, unless the defensive end drops, one of these three, one of these two is going to be. Your tackling defense is going to be your, your first two coming across, and then something on the edge here. And if they drop, then the tackle looks to fold back in and help. Over here, it's the same thing. They're looking to step out and out. They've got one, two over here. There's there, If you go back to the Y, there's not anything that's an overhang or immediate threat there. So just to point those out, that's what their rules are here. So we go into the play, and like I said, the, the Saints start to stunt. And it's a delayed stunt, too, because, I mean, it's just, it's just beautifully run where they, they loop in and he starts to – go around and Jones is trying his dangdest to pass off to Davis, but Davis is just so I'm out here. I'm out here. I'm out here. Davis gets so turned around. He, he spins around. So I was asked uh, in the chat, is this on Jones? Cause shouldn't Jones come off this? You're dang right. He should, but he recognizes that no one's picking up his person who's stunning across his face 
and he's not he can't just let him go to let someone else go because he knows that he could potentially have help on the backside. He could potentially have, you know, Saville coming across who does pick that up. But because they don't pass that off properly, Nate Davis doesn't recognize it, can't pick that up to allow Jones to go over. They get in there and Tannehill, Tannehill has to rush his throw. And again, it's it's completed. If he's able to have a little more time, can he possibly hit Another receiver down the field. I know that it's it's tough to get them in the screen, but we got a couple breaking open possibly in some pockets down there. But he has to he has to step up and he has to make the dump off throw. And this I believe this was on a third down as well. So these are the kind of things that the Titans aren't doing right now, and just allowing a little more time for Tannehill to be able to just make one step up in the pocket, one step to the left or right. He he can't really do that because everything's just kind of trash in his face. And I think I said you know at one point in time Tannehill I, I'm just I'm shocked every week that, that more hasn't happened to him the way that the, the blocking's been in front of him. But just Davis is never a good sign, and I don't mean to joke about this, but it's never a great sign if you do a full circle. Yeah, if your back is lineman. on the defensive lineman, it's usually not a good thing. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's the last play I want to go over. Uh, uh, anything there for the for that pass protection? Yes, crap. It's <laughs> good. So just to roll through as we're talking through um, – We'll try to do some stuff like that every week with uh, the the breakdowns. Thank y'all for sticking with us uh, again for the podcast. I will uh, try to clip that tonight and put that on a, on on the Broadway YouTube channel and uh, try to get that out uh, on the socials and everything so that you can come back and listen to the podcast and see what we were talking about there because it's it's you know dang it I put some work into that come watch it. <laughs> so just anything to catch up on here in the chat here before we go on. No, no, I think Max has been uh, good. We got Gershon as always, and then uh, Clowny Super Bowl. We got to get that changed. I, I know you probably signed up. It's like you got that weird tattoo that now you're stuck with for life. But I think you can change your name on YouTube at this point. Dante Dante Foreman. He does hit the hole pretty hard. It is a different run concept, and the fact that they're using him in the pass passing game as well as a true as a true receiver uh, that really is going to open some things up and create some options for this team. So let's let's use that point there to pivot to the Texans game real quick. I know we. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to have another hour show tonight and save it. I want to get playing some Halo. Oh yeah, no, so. that's fine. We can wrap it up real quick. The Texans are the best 53 man roster, 53 man special teams team. I just screwed it up. I've been saying it all off season. The best, the best 53 man special team squad in the history of the NFL. Now, offense, defense, they're terrible. Yeah, and, and I, no one should be overlooked in the NFL because that's when you're going to get in in trouble. But if the Titans aren't overlooking them, I'd have to question some of their their ability to recognize what they're seeing on film because the Texans are not good. Uh, does that mean that the Titans are not capable of losing to the Texans? No, they could absolutely lose to any, any NFL team. I think the Titans have proved that in the past and kind of proved it this year with the Jets game. You can't come out flat. Now, it is going to be a possibly rainy Sunday. I'll be sitting in it. Hopefully so, not oh yeah, rainy. you will be. So hopefully it's, the weather's not too bad. But if it is, and with with Tannehill and with the offensive line, the struggles they've been having, I, I really look for this to be a, a form and revenge game, and just have him go off. But to do that, the offensive line they've got to start cut, stop cutting off the, the false starts. They've got to stop the little like we just did in the breakdown, the little bit of breakdowns here, here and there as you as you go through. They've got to clean some of that stuff up. And again, it's not one guy. I know I know I harped on Davis a little bit, but I've, I've harped on Swain before. I've harped on. On. Saffold's had some bad moments. Lawan's had some bad moments early. He's been better lately when he's been on the field. So it's not just one person on the offensive line, and that's kind of the frustrating part is, is every week it seems to be something a little different that blocking game because if they can just shore, shore some of that stuff up in that running game, the passing game is going to be a lot easier. I don't – and Marcus Johnson is going to be out there. A.J. Brown, no Julio. It doesn't matter this game. I really don't think it does. If they can get that running game going and be efficient with their play calls – should it should be a relatively easy win for them yeah should defensively and i actually saw max say it in the comments earlier about how you're gonna what you're gonna see from the defense i don't don't be surprised and don't get frustrated if you start to say oh my god they can't get pressure with the uh, with the front four this is one of those games i don't think you're gonna see them rushing up field after tyrod taylor from the get-go they may end up with five or six sacks but a lot of those i think will be tyrod running around and running into sacks i think this is one of those where you maintain your pass lane or your rush lane mm -hmm. uh and you do not let him get outside tyrod taylor has not shown that he can consistently beat you from the pocket and so and frankly 
they don't have a ton of weapons to actually throw to anyways. So I think this is going to be one where you're a little more conservative. You're going to pick your spots whenever you're going to attack. But ultimately, this is going to be one of those where your defensive ends, you're coaching them all week, just like you did against a Kyler Murray, those kind of guys where it's stay in your lanes, don't rush up field because if you're rushing up field and you're not, you're probably not going to see a lot of as much man coverage this week because what happens in man generally those defensive backs, their, their back is to the quarterback. When you have a mobile quarterback there, you don't want to play a ton of man because if he gets, if he does break contain, he's running a long way before the defensive backs are even aware that he's running. Right. So I don't have much else for this because just the Titans need to come out and I don't want to say they're based up because we just harped on them. And me especially just hard to them not being too vanilla. But I don't think you have to do a whole lot in this game to um, be successful, especially with what you're playing. I just think I just want to see them come out without any more injuries and get to this following week, which I think is going to be the most important week for them going forward um, and, and get past it or get through these next couple. Yeah, I mean, I'll focus on the Texans, but we're obviously we're not part of the Titans organization, so we can look towards the Patriots. I don't think it's the most important game, but I think do think it's their toughest game remaining. Well, okay, sorry, I will agree with that. Let me, let me backtrack. Not most important, toughest game when you look at the schedule going forward, especially with how the Patriots are playing right now. No, I completely agree. So, uh, do you even want to do a prediction? I mean, the line, I think the last time I saw it, unless it's jumped up crazy, was it 10.5 or 11? I'll take Titans by 10, but I I would not put money. I just I, Just a general rule. I ain't betting double-digit spreads in the NFL. Yeah, it seems like a recipe for disaster when it happens because it's, yep. it's just it's again it's NFL. These guys we said it last week. The guys played uh, higher level uh, football and their athletes, even if it is the most compressive special teams team out there. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I'll say they win by ten as well. I don't know what it's going to be, but the Titans have to. They can't shoot themselves in the foot this go around and and they've been don't tell me they can't do it because they've been very capable of doing that this season and that's when they've gotten themselves in trouble. What you got? That's that's all I've got for the the Titans and Texans. Uh, you know, tickle up everybody out there, and hopefully that the uh, Titans defense can get a lot of tickles on uh, on the uh, Texans just, uh, quarterbacks. Just thought we were letting it die. No, <laughs> no, bringing it back. All right, bring it. Never dies. Tickle never dies. Apparently, and if you don't like tickle monsters, then you can just call them TTL or you can call them whatever you want to because they're like I said earlier, they're just getting the job done. But Jonathan, what you got? I don't have a great one for you this week, actually. It's been a long week, but I will say, just to go at the basic here, and uh, I've said it to several, but I haven't said it on this show, but it is my favorite one, and that's uh, Ryan. What is the best part of Switzerland? What is the best part? I have no idea. I don't know, but the, the flag is a big plus. <laughs> if you need the joke explained to you, Google the map you'll get it yeah google the map google the map to figure out what google it means. the flag i'm sorry yes see you know what this is a good part to end the show on <laughs> with my ineptitude that's it for the coach's corner this week we are part of broadway sports network partner with 440 sports we're going to be sure to check out all of our other podcast articles and video breakdowns that broadway sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on twitter at broadway tn go over to shop.broadway and check out the shirts jonathan had a great shirt on tonight with the coach's corner we've got the tickle monster shirt out there if you want to just get the joke uh and have that going so there it is it's it's a nice shirt at least it'll be something a conversation starter if nothing else uh and just so that nick Dames can be dumb but can be fun so that's it for us this week coaches on broad at coaches on broad on twitter at ryan on broadway at jb on broad until next time we'll see you brought to you by broadway sports media